The following message is presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmany.org. Now the message. Y'all, I can't thank you enough for the privilege to to worship with you once again and to get to open up God's Word and study it together. And uh, hadn't been too long since I was with you the last time. Uh, well, I think it was Memorial Day weekend, but. Uh, I tell you what, it, it continues to blow my mind how God is 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 blessing. But y'all, if you haven't if you haven't realized, He is moving in the life of our children and youth right now across this area. Um, we saw all the revivals uh, here a while back going on on our college campuses, and in uh, this summer, uh, especially out at Clara Springs. We saw God doing things that you that you don't you expect it, but it, it you, you you normally see God begin to move in the life of these campers usually on about the last night, and from day one, those campers were moving, moving chairs out of the way, coming to the altar as the as the service was beginning not as the preacher was offering an invitation. And, and, and I've been hearing stories similar to that from other areas of our state. God is moving. And, and I just want to encourage you in that. As, as you do the hard work that God has called you to do, as this local body of believers here at First Baptist Church of Manny, Louisiana, God is moving. He is still on His throne. He is still... In charge, he is still all powerful, and the gospel still saves. We've sung about it this morning. And so I want to invite you to turn with me to a very familiar passage. And, 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 and this passage of scripture, God is just, he is just, he's been working in my own life, and he's burdened me with this personally and for our churches across District 8. The passage of Scripture is Matthew 28, the end of the Gospel of Matthew. You and I know it as the Great Commission. I was reading a, a, a book a few weeks ago... Um, Ron had mentioned it to me one day while we were visiting in his office. And the title of the book is is simply Great Commission Revitalization. It's written by a guy named Mark Halleck. And y'all, that book has messed me up. Have you ever read a book that just really gripped you? That, that just got your attention and you just couldn't get away from it? The reason I couldn't get away from it is because the book is written based upon what God has said. It wasn't based upon somebody's opinion. It was based upon what God has promised us in His Word and what He has called us to do. 
And so when you come to Matthew chapter 28, obviously the first part of Matthew chapter 28 uh, is one of those passages of Scripture that uh, is, is preached often at Easter time because it's the resurrection. And, and we see the proof of the empty tomb and we see the ladies' interaction with the angels and then they have an interaction with Jesus And Jesus tells them to do a couple of things. And one of those things is to go back and tell the disciples to meet him at the mountain in Galilee. Now, obviously, they know which mountain that is. They've had the conversation at some other point not recorded in Scripture. But they knew where to go. And so the ladies deliver the message. And then there is a little scheme going on to make it seem like Jesus didn't really rise from the dead. But when you come to verse 16, the Bible says, But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. And then there's a change. It says, And when they saw him, But the way that is written, it appears that there were more than just the 11. You know, there were more than 11 people who were following Jesus at this point in his life. We know of 120 in the, in the upper room when the Holy Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some were doubtful. Some were still, still trying to figure out what was going on and, 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 and maybe some were seeing the risen Christ for the very first time. Um, this was not at the end of Jesus' time on earth. This was not when He would ascend back to the Father. We know that was on the Mount of Olives. This is up in Galilee. Some say it was in the same location where He preached the Sermon on the Mount. It, it really doesn't matter. But this could have been the time where Paul would tell us that Jesus appeared to 500 brethren at one time. Jesus has got something for them to do, even if it is just the 11. And He's got something for me and for you to do as well. And so they come to Him and they worship Him. And, you know, it's okay sometimes to have some doubts. Lord, I don't know exactly how you're going to do this. I don't know exactly what you're calling me to do, but I trust you. I worship you because you and you alone are Lord. And in Christ alone, we find our salvation. We also find everything that we need to live this life to the glory of God. And so as we come to what we call the Great Commission, there are three truths that I, I, that I, I hope we can get in our heart to live out every day of our life is God gives us the ability to get up out of bed and do whatever it is that He's called us to do that day. As you live your life, may we be on mission for Him. Before we read the last three verses, let's go before His throne of grace. He, is, he has told us we can come boldly before His throne of grace. Not because of who we are, but because of who He is and what He's done in our life. And so, Father God, as we come before Your throne of grace, Lord, I realize there is nothing in me that is worthy 
to talk to you, to worship you, to serve you. But God, I also realize that because of Jesus, who saved a wretched person like me, and who saved others who are here today or who may be listening on the radio. God, because You allowed us to come into a relationship with You by surrendering our life to our Lord Jesus and because You indwelt us with Your Spirit, God, we can come before You because of who You are and what You've done for us. And so... We do that right now, Father, asking You to speak through Your Word. And may we have ears to hear. And God, may You give us the wisdom and the knowledge and the revelation that we need to live it out. And God, as we do that, Lord, as we interact with family and friends and co-workers and, 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 and just people out in public, Lord, would you give us your eyes and your heart. May we be your hands and feet to be the ministers of reconciliation that you've told us we are. And may you and you alone be glorified. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. So we come to verse 18. They've gone and they've met with Jesus on the mountain in Galilee. And by the way, it says they went where, where Jesus had designated. Uh, I had this written down in my Bible, and I don't remember who said it, but some preacher said it some way, somewhere, or I wouldn't have wrote it down. We miss out on important things in life if we aren't where God wants us to be. I have no idea how long ago I wrote that. But as I was studying this passage this week, I saw that. We often miss out on important things in life if we aren't where God wants us to be. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. For all the days, even to the end of the age. Or as I heard one pastor who was doing a Bible study at the Louisiana Baptist Convention on the Great Commission, this was years ago, he said we could end at Matthew 28, that Jesus says, Lo, I am with you always, even to the designed climax of the age. You see, God has a plan for, for when that designed climax of the ages will come. We know it is when Jesus is coming back to take charge and to sit on His throne on this earth and all the wrongs will be righted. And the finality of that is that we, those who have gone before us and any who are left on this earth, will rule and reign and worship and serve with Him forever. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. That day's coming. We don't know when. 
But that day is coming. It's a promise. And so as we look at verse 18, if, if you and I are going to live our lives to the glory of God, according to the, 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 the commission that He has given us, one of the things that we need to do is we must be convinced of the complete authority of Jesus. You see, this, this is a claim that only Jesus can make. He is the only one who can say all authority or all power is given to me in heaven and on earth. He is the only one who can make that claim. And so you and I need to be, con- not need to be, we must be convinced that He's got that complete authority Because it gives us courage, it encourages us to do what He's called us to do. It gives us hope that I don't have to depend on my power. I don't have to depend on my authority because I don't have any. But He's got it all. And, And if I'm operating on His command, if I'm His ambassador, then I've had His authority going along with me. We'll also see at the end that we have his, his, his presence, but the two go hand in hand. You and I must be convinced of the complete authority of Jesus. He says, all authority has been given to me. All power has been given to me. And, and this, this, in a sense, is a fulfillment of what Daniel prophesied back in Daniel chapter 7. I want to read that just real quick. As, as Daniel is, is writing and, and prophesying and he, he, he writes about the ancient of days reigning and he's talking about God there. But he says, I kept looking in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming and he came up to the ancient of days and was presented before him and to him, the one who was like a son of man, to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. And so when Jesus says all authority, all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me, this is what Daniel was talking about in a sense. Because Jesus was saying... I'm Lord. I have the power and the authority over all things. And Paul would talk about in Colossians how not only was everything created by Jesus and for Jesus, but he holds everything together. That, that just kind of blows my mind when I try to put all that together. But it's true nonetheless. And as you read through the Gospel of Matthew, one, one thing that, God, that Matthew does over and over, and obviously he is writing to Jews, and, and, and he quotes a lot of Old Testament Scripture, but his purpose is to show us that Jesus was and is the promised Messiah. But in doing that, he also, over and over and over, he stresses the, the fact that Jesus has complete authority. Well, if he's king, if he's Messiah, surely he does. In, in Matthew chapter 7, 
He, he stresses the authority of Jesus' teaching. People were just astounded at the teaching of Jesus. We never, we never heard anybody teach like this. In Matthew chapter 8, we see Jesus' authority to heal. In chapter 9, we see Jesus has the authority to forgive sins. In, in, in Matthew chapter 10, we see Jesus' authority over Satan, and he even delegates that authority to his disciples. And that's just a, that's just a sampling of the complete authority that Jesus has. And, and so what does that mean for you and me? Well, it, it means that Jesus is Lord and Savior, not just of me, not just of you, but He is Lord and Savior over all. All authority has been given to Him. All the authority in heaven, all the authority down here. He is all-powerful. Therefore, He is the only one who can make that claim. And by making that claim... As you and I become convinced in our heart that He does have the complete authority, then you and I can be committed to fully follow His command. And we see His command, and you know what the command is if you know the Great Commission, and I'm pretty sure that that, that all of you in here old enough to read, and even some who can't read, uh, have, have, Luke, I know you, I know you've, I know you've told this to your youngins, to go and make disciples. The command, obviously, is to make disciples, but you and I must be committed to fully follow the commands of Jesus, because it's a command only He can give. He's the only one that can claim authority. Therefore, He's the only one that can give the command to go do what He's called us to do. The commission He's placed upon our lives to go out as ambassadors of Him, to be ministers of reconciliation to a lost and dying and broken world, even those what's inside the church. The gospel is our message because the gospel changes lives. The gospel changes and will change your life and my life every day if we live it out. If we depend on it totally. But Jesus says in verse 19 and into verse 20, He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. He gives us a command and then He tells us how to do it, how to, how to, how to, how to live that out? What does that look like? How do we do it? When you're convinced of the complete authority of Jesus, then you can you can be committed to fully follow His command. But if you're not convinced of His complete authority, especially over your life, then you're not going to be committed to fully follow His command. But when you get convinced of that, you can do it. Obviously, the command here is to make disciples. It's the only command in this text. Everything else revolves around it, modifies it, tells us how to do it. So what are we to do? Oh, by the way, this is a side note real quick. Not a side note, but... In verse 18, if there was an essential for you and me, it's to submit to King Jesus and His Word. To submit to King Jesus and His Word. The next essential 
would be that we, we got to go. We must go. And, and I know that go therefore, it really means, it really means having gone. It, when you read it in the Greek, I mean, it's, it's, it's considered that it's already done. That you and I are going to live our lives make, looking to make disciples. It's just a foregone conclusion because of the authority of Jesus. We must go. What does that look like? You and I live our lives. <clears throat> and maybe you're like Julie and I were. This has been a number of years ago. Um, maybe you're in the checkout line. For us, it happened to be at Academy. And there weren't. that was before the days of where they had that line. You got to go through. They had actual checkout lanes. And so we were, we were in a checkout line and there was nobody behind us and obviously the poor young lady that was checking us out was having a bad day. You ever encountered somebody having a bad day? I mean, it was just written all over her face. And, and I just acknowledged that. And I just asked her, I said, you know, I told her, I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a minister. Can I pray for you about something? Because you, you obviously are having a bad day. You're hurting. I mean, she just broke down. And it's a good thing. I wouldn't have cared if there was somebody behind us or not. But we just went into academy just living our lives. And God, said, God just made it. I mean, there, there you go. Here's your sign. Sometimes it's not that obvious. But we miss those if we're not looking for them. I've shared the gospel in the Burger King and McDonald's drive through because it was just so obvious. I even I ooh, sorry, even I couldn't miss it. Brother Mark swelled my head up up so bad it, it outgrew my hair, so I'm I'm not thinking clearly. But Jesus just says as you're living your life, it's a foregone conclusion that you and I are going to be on mission for him. But what are we going to be doing as we go? We're going to be looking for opportunities to make disciples. That can be evangelism. It can be discipleship. There, there are a lot of ways that we... There's a process. And there are a lot of ways that we can make disciples. It doesn't have to happen in a in a Sunday school class or, a, or, or... Let me go way back. A training union class. Or even in a worship service. This is we live our lives. We must go. That, that, that's an essential to being on mission, living out the Great Commission. And obviously, we make disciples. We must make disciples. That, that's the third essential. It's part of fully following the commands of Jesus. That's not a very comfortable call for most Christians. To make disciples. It, 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 and look, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I completely get it, completely understand it. I am an introvert by nature. I may not look like it when I'm standing up here, but you put me in a big crowd of people where I don't know anybody and I'm the guy over there in the corner just kind of hanging out. That's my natural tendencies. God's had to overcome a lot and thankfully He's all powerful and He does, but it, it's not comfortable. But Jesus is not inviting us to accept Him as Lord and Savior, to get baptized, and then to just come and find a comfortable place to sit and enjoy the air conditioning and, and, and maybe sing some songs. 
That's not what He's calling us to do. He's calling us to live our lives on mission for Him, looking for opportunities to make disciples. And statistics show, Barna's done a lot of research, there are a lot of statistics. A lot of statistics show us that the vast majority in the 90 percentile, the vast majority of believers have never led anyone outside of their immediate family to become a reproducing disciple. What's a reproducing disciple? Someone who shares the gospel and sees someone come to Christ and then they disciple them to reproduce. Over 90% of those who say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus, have never done that outside of their immediate family. That's a telling statistic. That's a statistic that hit me right between the eyes. That reminded me of what I'm called to do. Not, not as a, not as an assistant DOM, not as a pastor, but just as a follower of Jesus. Because that's the most important title, if you will, of who Jack is. I'm a follower of Christ. I'm a disciple of His. And it's the same for you as well. It's not a comfortable call. It's a costly call. And it was Jesus' plan from the beginning. As you read through the book of Matthew, of course in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is calling His first disciples. And, and, and he, he tells them, He says, I will make you fishers of men. Fishers of people. Men, women, boys and girls. I will make you fishers of men. But it's going to cost you something. And in Matthew chapter 10, He talks a little bit about that cost. Beginning in verse 37, he says, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross, and Luke would say, take up his cross daily and follow me. He also, Luke also says we've got to deny ourselves. He who has found his life shall lose it. And he who has lost his life for my sake shall find it. He's talking about total commitment, total surrender. To Jesus as Lord. He's commander. I follow Him. That, that's what He's talking about there. Uh, over in Ephesians chapter 2, you know, it, it, He tells us that, that by grace through faith we've been saved and, and it's not, not anything we've done so that we can't boast. It's a gift of God. But in verse 10 He says, for we are His workmanship. Literally, we're God's masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so it's a costly call, but it's a call that is a worthy call. It's a call that you and I can be committed to because we're convinced that Jesus is Lord over all. And so we make disciples. As we go, as we're going, as we live in our life, we make disciples. How? Well, by baptizing them and teaching them everything that Jesus has commanded, and not just teaching them, but teaching them to obey or observe 
observe, obey, it means the same thing. But there's another piece to that. He said make disciples of all nations. We must pursue all nations as we're going. Now that doesn't mean that if you're a follower of Jesus, you have to get on a plane or a boat and go across the big water. God may call you to do that. He's called some of you in here and some of us have gone with you to Honduras and some other places. But y'all, the nations have come to us as well. He's called us to be on mission regardless of what that that person in front of us looks like. He's called us to do that. And so we must pursue all nation, all peoples, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the utter ends of the earth. And as we're doing that, as we're intentionally going and making disciples, we share the word. That's the evangelism part of the Great Commission of making disciples. We share the word. We speak about the gospel as we live according to the gospel. But it doesn't stop there. That's just the beginning of making disciples. Then we, then we get into the baptizing and the teaching where, where we show the word. That's discipleship. We model that. We, we, we help some, you help someone to know that, hey, Jesus has called you because you followed him to be baptized. And that's why that thing right back there exists. Sometimes we do it in a pond or a lake or, or, or a creek. I did it in the Sabine River. In February, I wore my waders. The guy, two people getting baptized didn't, but I told I said, I'm a sissy. I'm wearing my waders. I slipped and still got wet. Praise God, it was cold. But they wanted to be baptized. They were eager. They didn't want to wait. What does baptism symbolize? Well, it identifies us with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. It, it shows others. It's part of our public testimony that, that, that I have died to my old self. I've died to my sin and, and, and I've been buried with Christ and now I'm raised to walk in the newness of life. I am a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Baptism is a beautiful profession of what Jesus has done in a person's life. And, and, and any Christian who neglects baptism dishonors and disobeys the Lord whom that person says has saved them. Now, is it necessary to go to heaven? No, it's not. But it's disobedient. And, and your relationship with God, the blessings, you're going to miss out on a lot. Had a guy one time that was physically unable to get up in the baptistry. Okay. He wanted to be baptized. We made it happen. That's not always the best way, but we do what we got to do. And so I just want to urge you, if you've never followed Jesus in believer's baptism, but you believe in Him, you're missing out on some blessings. Don't do that. Talk to Brother Mark when he gets back. Follow Jesus in believer's baptism. It's part of not only making disciples, but being a disciple. And as we make disciples, we continue to grow as a disciple. 
And so we show the Word through baptism. We show the Word by by just living our life as a disciple, living in obedience to the commands of Jesus. We, We help others to know what it looks like to follow Jesus, to pray, to, to study Scripture, to grow, to do the things, to, to evangelize. And so, if you and I are being a good disciple, we can disciple others and show them what it looks like to follow Jesus. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and then to teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. We must teach the Word. We don't just receive it. We reproduce the Word in others. You don't have to be a Sunday school teacher. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a a, a teacher. Any one of you... And I, any person whom Jesus has saved can teach the word to someone else. Maybe you need some, maybe you need some helps in doing that, but all of us are called to teach the word. Sometimes we do it by simply living it out. Here's the, here's the third thing. When you're convinced of the complete authority of Jesus, and you, you are committed to faithfully follow His command, here's a promise. Here's a promise. Then you can be comforted by His faithful promise. Because just like His authority was a claim only He could make, and just like the command was a command only He could make, this is a promise only He can make. And so be encouraged. That, that, that the one who created everything has said, I'll be with you. I, I've got all the power that's necessary and my presence will be with you as you go. So don't fear. Trust me. Trust in my authority. Because see, the mission is not based on who I am or or what I've done. It's not based on who you are or what you've done. It's based on who Jesus is and what He did. And that's the promise of Scripture. And what He's able to do in and through your lives is incredible. So be encouraged in that. Live your life experiencing the, the, the promise of His presence with you and, and the power, ah, here we go, of His return for you. Because He said, I'm with you even to the end of the age. So be encouraged that He has also promised that one of these days He's coming back to get you, to take you to be with Him in that place that He has prepared for you and for me. Man, that's going to be an awesome day. But until that day, we've got a commission. We've got a command to follow. But be comforted that Jesus' promise is faithful. Because He's the only one who could make that promise and keep it. He's the only one. So I want to leave you with two questions. Number one, will I surrender to King Jesus' call on my life to be a disciple? And a disciple maker. 
Will I surrender to King Jesus' call on my life to be a disciple and a disciple maker? Question two. Church, this is for the church as a whole. Are we as a church willing to do whatever it takes to make disciples of King Jesus? Are we as a church willing to do whatever it takes to make disciples of King Jesus? And may God, and I know He will because He's promised it, may His power and presence be so evident in your life that that's exactly what happens. Because He can, and He will, and there is hope. Don't ever think there's not. Is the journey going to be hard? Sure. We live in a hard world. But we also have a great and powerful God. And so as you follow Him, let Him work. Watch Him do what only He can do. Because He's interested in getting the glory. Not us. And He will get the glory. And so, Father, I pray this morning, God, as we come to this time that You invite each one of us to respond. To respond to Your Word that You've spoken into our life through Your Spirit. And, Father, You're the only one that knows what that needs to look like. You're the only one that knows how each one of us can obey what you're asking us to do this morning. And that, and that may be to come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior for the very first time. And maybe there's somebody here that, that's got questions and they don't really know what they need to do. And, and Father, I pray as we begin to sing here in just a moment, as we stand, that that, that that person or persons would come forward and let me pray with them. There are other people in this room that, that also can help lead them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe it's to follow in believers' baptism, to, to take that next step in, in obeying all that Jesus has commanded. Lord, maybe, maybe there's a sin, an unconfessed sin in someone's life this morning, and, and it's robbing them of the blessings that you want to pour into their life. I'm thankful that you tell us if we'll confess our sin, that you're faithful and just to forgive our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Lord, may that, may that person, or, or, or it might be more than one, God, may they, they come before your throne of grace confessing and repenting of that sin. Maybe it's a call on their life. There may be, there may be someone here this morning that, that, that's, that's a guest like Julie and I are. And they're looking for a church home, and you said, this is where I want you to serve. They need to, God, would you lead them to come forward this morning and say, I want to be a part of First Baptist Church of Manny. God, you're continually calling out the called. There may be someone in this room or, 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 or listening right now that, that you're calling to serve you vocationally in your kingdom work. God, may they stand up. And say, yes. Father, whatever it is, Lord, may your will be done. May you be honored and glorified. And God, may we just sit back and give you praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ, 
or about the church, including contact information, go to the website www.fbcmany.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.